Hi, this is Megan McHugh, and this is the podcast of Triple R Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy, and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website. G'day! Welcome aboard the Starship Zero G, science fiction, fantasy and historical radio for episode 1306, Martial Arts. Ooh, I see what she did there. Our podcast title is uh, 21 Pods. I am Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. And here on Zero G, we're still reflecting upon the career of US American actor Chadwick Boseman, who died at the age of 43 on the 28th of August after a four-year struggle with colon cancer. We looked at his film and television work, especially his iconic role as the Black Panther and King T'Challa of Wakanda in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And we also delved into Bozeman's work in the recent Spike Lee Vietnam War veteran movie, Da Five Bloods. Mm-hmm. And so this week we're going to, to continue on looking at some of his other movies, including Marshall and 21 Bridges, of which more soon. And, and by the way, I did not pause to consider last week, but remembered in time for this week's show that Bozeman also played the Egyptian god Thoth in Alex Proyer's 2016 fantasy movie, Gods of Egypt. Oh, yeah. interesting. And aware of the whitewashing controversy surrounding the casting of the movie, Bozeman noted, that's why I wanted to do it, so you would see someone of African descent playing Thoth, the father of mathematics, astronomy, and the god of wisdom. But, yeah, people don't make a $140 million movie starring black and brown people. And happily, he was proved wrong with the Black Panther a bit later. Uh, now, uh, for a few other bits and pieces just now, mm. I have heard that the latest incarnation of the Batman on screen has had to pause production in the UK. Yeah. Uh, Robert Patterson, star, mm-hmm. has tested positive for COVID-19. What? Just breaking. I didn't even know that, Rob. <laughs> yeah. The implications of this for the film industry in general even alongside the extreme precautions undertaken on other pictures like the new Jurassic World movie we've mentioned before, these are, of course, quite considerable. I mean, think of the implications for just the uh, completion insurance alone for something like that. I mean, we wish him well, too, of course, and everybody else in the cast. And mm, mm, mm. Um, I did not know about that. That has shaken me, and you're right, is a pretty big blow for the idea of trying to get these productions still going safely as well. Mm. It is ironic considering that the Batman is a masked vigilante, but not the right kind of mask. It's not, it's not virus proof. And it's also upper face concealing and not lower face concealing. I mean, he's got it all wrong and upside down. Yes. So once again, um, (laughs) this is naughty of me. I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Obviously not the best prepared billionaire philanthropist playboy that we know of wearing a mask. <laughs> on the other on the other hand, at least the Batman is still alive in his cinematic universe. True. Yes. Spoiler. Ah. 
Meh, meh. Yeah. Speaking of comic book properties, I received my first monthly comic book care package. Yay! From, from Melbourne's All Star Comics, which is now doing mail order, like a lot of the other comic book stores. Mm-hmm. Um, a hefty chunk of Marvel's crossover Empire storyline, and that's E M P Y R E, comprising a main Fantastic Four Avenger double up title with sidebar adventures spilling into those two individual teams own books as well as captain marvel captain america spider-man x-men thor and ghost riders amongst others obviously if you are familiar with the way this all works Hmm. the idea is to get you sucked into this big munge together mashup of all of the titles across a house a house's lines and the idea is you'll buy them all because you don't want to miss out on one bit or piece i actually don't do that myself i just continue with my with um, my particular favorites and also get the main book usually and if there's anything interesting you know i might drop over Pick into it yeah the central storyline involves an astonishing alliance between the formerly feudan and a fussin Cree and Skull empires in order to take down the Kuwaiti plant creatures who are hell-bent on doing some serious avenging themselves upon flesh and blood sentience everywhere. So it's like <laughs> the plants are revolting. No prizes, true believers, for guessing where this titanic struggle is being fought. Earth. now myself i just want to know which side will Groot be on Ooh, yeah i haven't run across him yet where is the where is our favorite tree (laughs) where does he stand now i hugged the box that these comic books came in (laughs) because i mean oh i went through that long long drought of the first Mm -hmm. um stages of our lockdown here in melbourne and um and the world over too when uh, uh when the comic book houses ceased shipping yeah <sighs> <laughs> especially since it also contained an iron man comic so yay <laughs> nice nice <laughs> we're tony all is well in the world <laughs> where, where tony stark is working through his own post-death experiences during and after a robot and AI revolution. So although this is often the weird thing about these crossovers, although Iron Man plays a big part in the main Empire storyline, in fact, it's sort of partly his fault yet again. (laughs) (laughs) Sort of, kind of, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, it's all lies. (laughs) Um, In his own book, he's still trying to sort out being dead recently and Mm -hmm. then been brought back to life by his uh, his his posse. <laughs> I mean, you would be you would be shaken, wouldn't you? <laughs> actually, when I say posse, I actually also mean pussy, as in pussycat, because Doctor Shapiro um, is a Stark employee, and Doctor Shapiro is a cat. Ah, uh, no, of course, <laughs> a genius cat, nevertheless, with his own suit of armor, and he helped. <laughs> In the extraordinarily complicated process of bringing Tony Stark back to life, and they're kind of kind of going to reboot the comic soon. So, in his own title, he's off on this separate adventure. But clearly, that's kind of been resolved because he's all okay in the uh, in the Empire storyline. It's really hard to sometimes work out where you are in these comic books, <laughs> but I'm used to that, and and yeah. so and and so that's why I, I'm not all that 
worried by continuity in movies and stuff mm. because I'm thinking, mm. ah, it's comic books. I know how this works. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's it. My comic book care cap package has arrived and I am so nice. chuffed. I, <laughs> look, I, look I, to be serious there for a moment, I do know I'm speaking from a – and this is really odd for me because I wouldn't consider myself privileged or entitled uh, – but I am certainly entitled here with these new titles of comic books. Um, but, but you know, I know everyone's doing it tough for all sorts of reasons. And, look, that is part of my angst during mm. the pandemic. So I'm not afraid to admit that. Comic book less. Oh, you know, I suppose I could read some old comics. Oh, don't be silly. <laughs> or, no, I think. Or he says, glancing around, perhaps I should put some old comics away. <laughs> I think it's, I mean, the mail is a highlight of my day. I've got stuff coming in to kind of help pass the time. I just got the, we've talked about this a bit before, Rob, I got the third book in the Southern Reach trilogy. Uh So I've read Annihilation, I've read Authority, and then I just got Acceptance. So I'm really looking forward to reading that. And also the- These are Vandermeer's books, aren't they? Yes. Yes, yes. So very, I love his stuff. And I also got the last in the Robot trilogy, um, robots of dawn I want to say so I've got that as well so I mean I think this is the thing we love the content that keeps us going and I think it's all right to have that bring us a little bit of joy in these Melbourne ISO times and uh, I can see that you are genuinely joyful with your comic book delivery Rob's like glowing from the uh, the kind of <laughs> the glow off the comic books is hitting his face and reflecting at me. So I'm really, I'm really glad that uh, comic book stores can push out their comics as well and keep that business going. That glow may actually be partially down to the uh, the coffee that um, my partner um, Gail Adams has made me. I'm not a coffee drinker, and you can probably tell I'm a little bit too <laughs> hyper. I think I think that's great. I'm here for it. <laughs> Actually, in the Trip Magazine article that's just come out, uh, mm. where, where Megan and I both talk about our um, our setups in order to do zero G through the pandemic, um, <laughs> I think we both said, "Oh, we don't drink anything much during because we don't want to spill anything into the keyboard, etc." Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, nah, nah, I think nah. we've evolved. Yeah, we've, we've evolved. <laughs> <laughs> now. Um, I've also started to watch on Amazon Prime the science fiction series The Expanse and I'm finding it very satisfying, hardcore space science and it plays like a richly layered, munched-together version of Babylon 5, New Battlestar Galactica and Firefly. Oh. Well, well, okay, the dialogue isn't anywhere near as snappy as Firefly, but it's still really quite the butte show with lots of grittily detailed world building set within a human colonized solar system in the 23rd century. Now, this is the near-Earth future series I've been looking for, and though I've come late to it, I mean, they're like four or five seasons down now, and and all the books it's actually based on, I am very happy to find it. Uh, More on The Expanse after I've got a few more episodes under my asteroid belt. Oh, and also um, uh, the second season of The Boys. The Mm -hmm. Anti-superhero series has dropped on Amazon Prime as well. So, so much happening in our genre as usual. Always good stuff. I think another thing I'm looking forward to coming out this month is Enola Holmes on Netflix. So 
It's a little Sherlock Holmes kind of side piece. So it centers around Sherlock's sister, played by Millie Bobby Brown. The trailer is an absolute delight. I love the direction they're going in with it. We've got um, so a great cast of characters as well, supporting characters in there. Cannot wait to watch that. So that comes out, I think, 23rd or so of September. Is it set in the 19th century? Uh, um, or is it like elementary or uh, Sherlock? Oh, yes. No, it's it's ye olde times. <laughs> let's put it that way. She's meant to be wearing a hat and gloves. Let's say that. No. Um, so Lot, I'm, Lots of us are wearing gloves at the moment. <laughs> and it's. I think it's definitely one of those, oh, she's an unruly girl kind of things, which I love. And I think if she does a good job at it, that'll be a lot of fun. Another, another uh, fans of historical detective shows. Exactly, and we love those here on Zero G. Hmm. Well, all, all right, we've um, had quite a few little uh, blurts here about things that are keeping us ticking over at the moment, and we should play a little bit of music, I reckon. So uh, t- what track have we got up first? Uh, let's go with What's Going On. What's Could Going On. Could be a nice on? one to ease in, and, uh, yeah, let's give that a listen now. This is Richard Hatch. I played Captain Apollo in the original Battlestar Galactica and Tom Zarek in the new series. You're listening to Zero G on 3 R FM. And I am not and have never been a Cylon. Probably. Yes, this is Zero G on 3 R. And we played that song that was, of course, Marvin Gaye with What's Going On because we've been doing a little bit of kind of a tribute retrospective of Chadwick Boseman's films and work. And so last week on the show, we covered De Five Bloods and we did a little re-look at Black Panther. And so a version of that song was, of course, used in De Five Bloods, which is a story about um, a group of war vets who returned to Vietnam to kind of make peace with their past. But also there's a bit of a side plot that's maybe a little more action-packed, bloody and exciting. So I won't give that away, but that... uh was the inspiration for playing that track. So this week we wanted to look at a couple more Boseman films. So we mentioned earlier what we were going to look at. So what one do you feel like we should tackle first? Because they're two very different films. <laughs> I could almost say that, all right, let's just say uh, a film at random, except, of course, we have watched the heck out of it, uh, Marshall. That's Marshall with two L's. And it is a oh actually I wanted to mention just to just to back up a little bit there the the reason why that um, uh, Marvin Gaye song is in De Five Bloods is because uh, the composer um, Terence Blanchard and the director Spike Lee thought that that particular 1971 album captured the feel of actually what was going on in mm. the United States at the time. And that the six main characters in Da Five Bloods, although it does say Five Bloods, um, they share the first name as the members of the group, The Temptations, and their producers. So it's like, ah. you know, the producer of The Temptations was called Norman Whitfield. So Chadwick Boseman's character is like Storm and Norman. <laughs> anyway, I see what they've done there. <laughs> I, I, I seriously go go backwards in time for that one. All right, so now we're talking about Marshall, the film, mm, mm. and I was so tempted to entitle today's episode Holler for a Marshall, but <laughs> I was good and I did not. And Chadwick Boseman's character in Marshall is very good. Now, mm. this is one of a, a number of um, characters that Boseman has played to great effect in biopics, 
mm. you know, along with uh, James Brown and the famous, enormously famous player of the game of baseball. <laughs> baseball. <laughs> Which one's that? Is that the one that has wickets or or, um, or goals? Base- oh. Baseball is a fantastic sport that I love, even though I know it's just like cricket and I don't like cricket, um, but it has a very rich history and culture. But, yes, he played Jackie Robinson, who's a renowned African-American baseball player, the first um, black baseball player to be in the major league. So uh, he he plays his character in a film that's also showing uh, at the moment that you can stream. It's called 42. He starred in that quite a few years ago, 2013, that one was. So <laughs> he really does like to uh, – do a little sort of portrayal of some of these iconic characters and Marshall is no exception because this is someone who I was happy to know more about and I really, these these biopics are always got the rough edges sanded off a little bit but I still think it's a nice way to surface names and history that maybe some people might not know about uh, and so, I mean, obviously there's a lot here but, uh, yeah, sort of dealing with Marshall's, younger days his early days as a lawyer mm. he's a, he's a, he was a uh, he was marshall thur sorry thurgood marshall uh, mm-hmm. born in 1908 and died in 1993 american lawyer and civil rights activist who was an associate justice of the supreme court of the united states for oh, a couple of decades at least as as such things go and uh, the court's first African-American justice, so incredibly important in the history of civil rights as well in the United States because this film picks up the story of Thurgood Marshall as a a lawyer for the National Association for the Advancement of Coloured People, here after known as uh, the NAACP, that's a lot easier Mm -hmm. to say, and it's set in the 1940s. And basically, um, Thurgood is one of those troubleshooter lawyers who gets like, mm. I can't really say helicopter because it's the 1940s, although I could probably get away with, um, actually, yeah, more or less, uh, auto-gyroed into situations where he has to be able to think on his feet and sort out crimes which uh, the the NAACP believe are based upon more upon the race of the defendant than upon the actual crime that they've committed. And of course, it's the 1940s in the United States and that sort of uh, terrible civil rights problem is rampant everywhere, even as the, the US is uh, sort of gearing up into the, um, the, the early stages of World War II. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that is the story in this one. Um, do you want to pick up on the uh, on the storyline? Yeah, so basically it's a bit of a legal procedural and so we get a little bit of an introduction to his character, uh, Marshall, what he's, what he's up to, kind of what he's doing, but then we very quickly move into the kind of legal drama portion of the film. And so basically it's around one case and so this is the case of a man who was a driver for an affluent family and it's set in Connecticut and he's accused of assaulting the woman, the wife in this particular household and trying to kill her. And so, you know, he's this, so the man's name is Joseph Spell. So he's accused of this crime and then brought in to defend him. We have the combo 
of our our mate, Thurgood Marshall, and he's also paired with another lawyer who has no experience in criminal law. He's sort of an insurance lawyer, uh, Sam Friedman. And so he's played by Josh Gad, who we've seen before in, I mean, Frozen, to name one thing that he is beloved to be starred in. Well, we've, um, we've heard him before. <laughs> Yes, true, exactly. And this is kind of him taking a more dramatic turn because he's done a lot of comedy or musical comedy, that kind of stuff. So right up front we've got kind of this bit of an underdog story. It doesn't look very good for Joseph Spell. Uh, we have Kate Hudson who's playing the Eleanor Strubing, Strubing, yeah, I think that's how they say it. She is the accuser. And we sort of, it centres around the legal proceedings here. We also get a nice little cameo from uh, what's uh, James Cromwell as the judge in the case. And we all know James from playing Zeph. <laughs> well, I was going to say Zephram Cochrane, the inventor of the warp drive on Earth, at least in, in Star Trek. But, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> multiple things, multiple things. Um, yeah, so largely we're focused around these proceedings and kind of unpacks a bit of maybe what actually happened that night and Marshall's quest to get justice for his client and get a fair trial. And so we're seeing a bit of that at play and, of course, racism of many different types uh, surfaces because we've got a few metaphors here with, uh, you know, the startup of World War II and that kind of thing. And so we're, we're really going down a few different paths here and unpacking a little bit of, about that as we go in this case where, as you can imagine, all kinds of different unjust things come to pass or nearly come to pass or are kind of dealt with here. There's, there's a couple of things to uh, to unpack. First off, uh, Chadwick Boseman is excellent as Thurgood Marshall. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like he's dialing in a hierographic mm. performance here. Uh, there are mm-hmm. flaws to uh, Thurgood's character that that are on display in the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. First off, I mean he's he's married and he's having a very difficult time balancing his work life relationship because he's all over the country, you know. And this he doesn't have a uh, a nice video phone. They don't have Dick Tracy wristwatches that they can they can communicate with at long distance. His wife is pregnant, and you know there's there's all sorts of complications there. And, and and sometimes when they're trying to, to portray those that sort of thing in these movies, they don't really get to the the right place with that. But in this, I feel like they kept the balance quite well. So you got a, an idea of his character when he's not in court, and he's mm-hmm. quite he's quite handicapped in the court because the judge decides that because he's not a a local lawyer, he's not mm-hmm. allowed to talk in the court. Yeah. And there's in the insinuation that um, race plays a part in some of the decisions that happen in that courtroom for sure. And, you know, it is trying to throw a bit of a light on the justice system. And, I mean, a justice system that is still flawed to this very day. So watching these things is always a little bit, um, you know, yeah, fraught, let's say. So, yeah, he's very handicapped inside that courtroom because he, he can't even – argue as a lawyer and he's the one with the criminal exp- criminal law experience as well. Yeah, so there's lots of nudging and whispering and note passing. <laughs> Very like sliding a little note across the table. I mean that's part of what being a lawyer is, is it not? Part <laughs> sliding notes back and forth at that little table. I don't know, but it's certainly part of what lawyer lawyer procedural in the in the movies and on television is about. <laughs> always like very key part of it. 
Now, Josh Gad playing Sam Friedman, the unexperienced insurance lawyer who teams up with Marshall. Uh, he's really good in the role, I thought. They, yeah. they probably play they play probably play up a little bit too much to the fact that uh, Sam Friedman is Jewish and Thurgood Marshall has his race-related difficulties within this story. So they're mm. trying to balance that out as a similar story. Mm-mm. But I, I think that actually is a fair a fair comment, even if, according to uh, Friedman's actual family, they're not really where uh, Friedman was, historically speaking. They, they say that he actually had yonks of experience. But, you know, <laughs> the, the license is there to make this more of a, a dramatic story. Um, I also found out that uh, that Sterling K. Brown, who plays Joseph Spell, the defendant, he was in um, he was in the Black Panther movie. Had a supporting oh, role in that, you know. So. I thought he. I've seen him before for sure. I can't. I'm not sure what, but he was familiar to me. Yeah. But you might have also heard his voice in Frozen too. So there's a Frozen oh, thing. Well, <laughs> I mean, this, yeah. you go straight from Frozen and then you go into a courtroom drama. Yeah. Um, now we should mention the director Reginald Hudlin. Mm-hmm. Now he's a, a screenwriter, director, producer, and comic book writer. And guess which comic book he wrote from 2005 to 2008? Black Panther. Well, good. (laughs) Yeah, so that is actually a fairly famous storyline where the Panther or T'Challa marries the X-Men's leader, the Storm. Um, So, you know, I mean, that's quite important. And Hudlin, interestingly enough, has his own kind of uh, law connection. He in 2015, was on the board of the Comic Book Legal Defence Fund, which um, was founded to protect the rights of the comic book community, which have needed to be protected from time to time. So there you go. Uh, and and he's done a few other films, of course, before this, um, uh, uh, including uh, House Party in 1990, and he was a producer on um, Django Unchained. Mm. So he actually got a, an Academy Award nomination for Best Picture for that as part of that team. So, you know, and also as well the uh, the 1992 film Boomerang, which I know nothing about. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd love to be able to say it's about the the comic book character from Down Under, Boomerang, but it's, <laughs> it's probably not. I would, I'd probably doubt it. Um, I'd know about I, it. I mean, what did you think overall of this one? I liked it. It, it. it it struck a chord with me. I thought that they underlined the the problems, uh, the civil rights problems, and the terrible injustices wrought mm. upon people in those times, which of course carries such resonance today. Uh, and and I felt that uh, Bozeman especially was exactly where he needed to be for this character. Mm, uh, mm. And damn it, that man well wears a nineteen forties suit so <laughs> effectively. You know, for sure. He, in a, you know, I know it's acting, but he really disappears into these roles. Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing I've noticed is because we've watched him play, and we'll get to this in the next film as well. Several different kinds of characters over the past, you know, doing this bit of a retrospective, and every time I, I agree, I really feel like he inhabits that character. And at no point am I like, this is like watching T'Challa in the courtroom, like. No, he is there. I mean, it also helps they've done him up in that kind of period, costume period, hair, facial hair, whatever. But I agree, and I think he lent into it with just enough fervour. He didn't go overboard, 
and his rapport with Josh Gad was solid. I liked their pairing. I mean, for me, overall, I thought the film was solid. I thought it did what it set out to do. I'm not going to say it was necessarily the most memorable thing or most narratively surprising film I've ever seen, but I think it hit some nice notes and I think in terms of telling that kind of story of, uh, you know, a man who did some wonderful things during his life and career, I think that's a, it's a really proud way of portraying that story and like one just one of the cases that he was involved with. I mean, early on it's one of those films where the score kind of tells you what to expect. And in the early days it it, it really has this kind of, you know, they're going to really lean into the time period and nothing here is going to, it's going to be a bit dark, but it's not going to be super, super dark. And we kind of know what the, res- like, you know, we're not going to be left feeling the way we felt after we watched Mississippi Burning. Like this is a film that is meant to be for people who, yeah, just kind of want to watch a good biopic story. And I think it delivered on that. I, I felt a little bit like I was watching um, uh, the Rosa episode of Doctor Who uh, or maybe um, To Kill a Mockingbird, actually, to a case mm, mm. a case which is, is ostensibly quite similar to this one in, in, in many respects. Um, and yeah, you're right. They do. They do really nail the period in this uh, night. The nightclubs, the cool jazz. Although I will point out, do you know they often waste songs in movies? I mean, you get the start, mm. <laughs> then you get a few musical stings in the middle to let us know where they are in the song, uh, and and then a big finish from the song as the scene changes. <laughs> it, it must be awfully uh, awfully difficult to be like that in one of these films. <laughs> to do the the music um yeah i i don't have any complaints about marshall it's it's a fine film and i and i think it's probably uh the third leg of the biopic films that um that chadwick boseman's reputation as a as a a fine actor rests upon Mm. Uh, that and of course i suppose we could do we call the black panther a biopic I don't know. <laughs> anyway, uh, and the other two, of course, would probably be, I guess we'd say 42 and um, and uh, the James Brown. and get on up the James Brown story. Mm. And there, there may come a time when Zero G will sit down and, and look at a sports and movie and a musical biopic, but that is not this day. <laughs> I love both those things. I am determined to get more sports films and more musical comedies into Zero G. <laughs> I'm trying. There's, there's probably one that's all three. <laughs> there probably is. I reckon there's a genre film that incorporates sport and some kind of musical element, and I'm going to find that film and we're going to cover it. <laughs> it's probably a fantasy film, kind of think of it. Uh, what about, well, Field of Dreams isn't a musical, is it? No, never mind. No, but it's probably, we're leaning a lot closer with that, I think. Yeah. Mm. All right. So I believe it's time for a track now, and mm-hmm. that would be P.S. The Rebels uh, track about um, the Black Panther, and we'll tell you a little bit more about that after this. I think it, I can't remember. It might actually contain a naughty word in it somewhere. So I'm giving you the traditional warning about there being maybe some adult concepts in this song in case you know you've got little ones listening to it. Uh, hi, this is Jim Beaver. I play Bobby Singer on the TV series Supernatural. And you're listening to 3 Triple R FM Zero G, you idiots. Yeah, we had P.S. The Rebels, which is a Afro-hop 
duo of brothers who hail from Nairobi in Kenya and now live in Los Angeles. And that was their little tribute to Black Panther there. And actually listened hard to find the swear word that I thought I remembered from that in there, and there wasn't one. Oh, there you go. Clean after all. Don't have to clutch your – I was going to say pearls, but in the Black Panther universe it would be a nanite uh, necklace that contains your suit (laughs) of Wakandan vibranium shuri patent-pending armour. And and I'm just looking at a picture of the two – the two – the rebels, uh, Pihon and Samuel Kalonji, and my God, they've got great dress sense. Or their producer has, or somebody has. They, <laughs> they, they actually look like they've come from Wakanda. They've got these amazing necklaces and and outfits and hats that are incredible. It just blows my mind just looking at it, which, of course, you can't see. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we looked at um, Chadwick Boseman's film Marshall, mm-hmm. and now mm-hmm. we're looking at another vehicle for him, 21 Bridges, which is a 2019, well, we'll call it an action film. Uh, it's direct, yeah. directed by Irish film and TV director Brian Kirk, uh, who's very well known for, in geek circles, for having directed episodes of Game of Thrones and... Uh, a telly, at least one telly movie called My Boy Jack, which had Daniel Radcliffe in it as well. D Rad, uh, nice. D Rad, <laughs> is that what he's called? No, I just call him that. No one calls him that. <laughs> okay. Oh yes, and here's D Rad with some wizard rock. <laughs> TM. No one else take that. I'm taking that name. <laughs> D Rad. Anywho. <laughs> Chadwick Boseman plays an NYPD detective uh, mm-hmm. who has to close down those 21 bridges of Manhattan in order to limit the escape routes of a couple of cop killers. Mm. There's, there's think, a story. Do you think that, yeah, that's that's pretty much it in a nutshell. Do you think that would ever really happen? I wondered that whether they, because that's a big to like shut down the whole island, that would be, it'd be pretty, pretty big. Yeah, because it's not, not just the bridges, but it had to be the tunnels and I'm guessing the, the airports. Uh, yeah, and I think like water and all yeah. everything from, from it. Anyway, speculation. But, yeah, as Rob said, it's about his hunt for two people that committed some shooting and crime mm. and that is where the story <laughs> is. Look, I love a good action film and I was very intrigued to watch this and I thought, Rob, that you'd be interested to see because I didn't realise and then the credits came up and I was like, oh, the Russo brothers were involved in this as well. They acted as producers on this one. So I thought that was very interesting. Well, there's a couple of things in this. Chadwick Boseman, he plays Andre Davis, the detective, uh, Mm -hmm. and, and he has a reason for being what they call a trigger cop and there's a hilarious Actually, I suppose it isn't hilarious, but it played as funny to me. Moment where somebody calls him a, a trigger, and and it's a, a white cop who calls him that, and he actually doesn't mean it disparagingly. I, I kind of think, in context mm. of the film, but um, Andre Davis corrects him and says, and this is in the trailer. He says, "You better have perfect diction when you say that to me," and fair enough too. Anyway, he, he doesn't take any crap from anybody, but and he has a, he has a an in character reason 
for being a bit trigger happy. Uh, yes. Although nothing has ever been able to be pinned on him by internal affairs. Yeah, so we spend maybe a scene and a half setting up this backstory for him and sort of, you know, what his background is and, you know, how what kind of policeman, what kind of detective he is and so on and so forth before we we go into the, the main thrust of this action story. Which reminds me of that South Korean uh, movie we watched. Was that The Hunt? Time to hunt. Time to yes. hunt. Yeah, yeah. With a, with basically a a crime against criminals that goes wrong. Yeah, I think there's. It's. I mean, there's some stuff like we don't want to ruin anything. No, I'm not. But there wasn't any. Yeah, there wasn't anything that was a wild surprise. But yeah, so we've got um, Chadwick in this role, and he's kind of paired up with a little partner for the evening as they're as they're on this hunt for these criminals, played by Sienna Miller, who we, who um, we know from. Um, uh, her role as the Baroness in G.I. Joe, The Rise of the Cobra. Well, at least I do. <laughs> so. I know her from probably anything except that. But, um, yeah, I was surprised. I didn't know. I mean, it was surprised to see her pop up here. But it's it's definitely one of those films where it's sort of, you know, it's a one night set in a couple of hours, this crime happens, and then there's the pursuit and it's one of those films where, you know, you get your time code. So it's like 1 a.m. this area of the city, 2 a.m. this area, cutting from different locations, lots of police radio background. It really, it's that it's that New York City action detective kind of vibe. And so they've really tapped into that, I think, quite well. I actually feel like this is a bit of an old-fashioned action movie. This, mm. would, have, this would have sat in the 80s quite well. Or maybe in the seventies, uh, if it was the seventies, it probably would have been a black exploitation movie. When you think about it, um, also in this movie are uh, J.K. Simmons playing a police mm-hmm. captain, and we know him as J. Jonah Jameson from the Spider-Man trilogy, the Sam Raimi original movies, and other characters along the way. A veteran actor, and he handles his role with impeccable. Grace. <laughs> yes. Under, under he fire. Yeah, he tackles had... it with a plum, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I quite enjoyed his uh I think he's he's enjoying this. We also see um uh a couple of actors in there like Alexander Siddig from Deep Space Nine, who was um Dr. Bashir in that. He's got a very minor role in this. Uh, and, Who does he play? Oh, I guess we we don't want to say. Yeah, we don't want to say really. too much about some of these other characters. Uh, but um, the, the the two main criminals in mm. this story uh, mm. are people who we have seen before in uh, in other particular roles, um, including Stephen James playing yes a character called Michael. And Taylor Kitsch playing Ray. And Ray we know from X-Men Origins, as well as the title character in John Carter. Which I think everyone, including him, is trying to forget. And I'm sure you know him well, Rob, from Friday Night Lights, teen football film. (laughs) Everything right up your alley. But that's where I first saw Taylor Kitsch. I don't even know what Friday Night Lights is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He's Yeah, so he's playing. They've sort of got different strengths this duo, and he's the more uh, very good at shooting, pretty cold-blooded, but 
Yeah, I mean, these guys don't have – he doesn't have a heap of depth. No. But um, he, he does what he's doing pretty well. I think Stephen James as his partner, who, as you mentioned, uh, he was in If Beale Street Could Talk. He's also in Homecoming, the series. Uh, he, I think, actually does a lot more with his character and I actually quite liked that character a lot more. Yeah. Well, there was more to grab onto, to be honest. There's not – these characters are paper thin. Like, they – blow away in that New York City, like, vent steam. They just float off. Um, so, yeah, very little to grip onto with characters. I mean, I do think Chadwick does a great job in his role and he's kind of very the centre of the film for sure. Yeah, he he anchors this film, which, to be honest, otherwise uh, I would find fairly lightweight. The, the the twist in the story is is so predictable. You know, you see it as if from a, a drone shot. And there is actually a very nice drone shot at a funeral in, the, mm. um, in this story that I really appreciated. I thought there is a reason for using a drone. Uh, yeah. But uh, away from away from that, I, I thought this film was a bit lightweight and mm. it's one of those ones that would, that would just be a placeholder in an actor of uh, Bozeman's stature in his career. Uh, not perhaps, not, not really uh, – a powerful enough film to become a franchise, for example. Mm, it's no, mm, mm. it's certainly no Die Hard, which it. Oh, oh no, no, but <laughs> no. And yeah. I actually think they could have leaned into um, it, it more grittily, into a more gritty aspect, uh, more, more uh, handheld cameras and. Um, mm. And I definitely think I've seen this sort of style done. Yeah, I agree in a more gritty way, like things like that Jake Gyllenhaal thing he was in, End of Watch, I want to say. Um, those things, I think, they really have a, a beating heart at the centre of it. I think this, the action was fine, the plot was fine. It, I actually, to be honest, it was a lot better than what I thought it would be. I think there's some really great shots in this. I think the dialogue's a little heavy-handed, but there was a couple of really good lines, like the ones that you mentioned and a couple towards the end, for sure. Uh, there's some good elements to this, and I was pleasantly surprised by it, but overall I would tend to agree that it ain't going down any list of great action films, um, unfortunately, because there's a lot of good talent here. Yeah. Like Sienna, uh, I think, Sienna Miller might well as not have been there. Absolutely. She you she was barely a character. I she had she did nothing. I don't know if it was the writing of her character or her. But it was, I mean, it was wet fish on parade. So, yeah. I think, and this partly is on the script writers, but also partly on the director, uh, who perhaps shows his um, his his novice feature filmmaker uh, mm. credits a little bit too much in this. But nevertheless, it doesn't wear out its welcome wisely. This is not a long film. No, I think it's it's clocked in at the right amount of time to be honest and i actually felt they wasted the whole premise of the 21 bridges shut down it's hardly absolutely you know it's hardly referenced at all in the film i was like did they not have a title for this and then someone at the studio just threw that out and they went okay because it really has very little to do with the actual film <laughs> it might have worked if it, if um if it had been set in the uh, the maximum security New York prison from Escape from New York, <laughs> to see something like that, you know, it needed something. I mean, it's 
if you like action stuff and or you want to watch another Chadwick film, like we said, he is good in this. I don't think it was – I wasn't angry about the time I spent watching it, for sure. It's, it was enjoyable enough. It's not, but, a, not a ringing endorsement. <laughs> <laughs> probably not, no. Yeah. Um, I mean, if, if you do want to watch it, it is available on Amazon Prime. And we should have mentioned too, Marshall is available on Netflix, so you can look them up there. Uh, yeah, I mean – Probably just watch Die Hard again. <laughs> no, look, I, I, the, I, I'm interested in watching Chadwick Boseman films at the moment and uh, this particular one, it's not one of his greatest films, but he himself is solid in it. You know, when you yeah. you see that sort of film and you think, yeah, yeah, you were really good in that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But that wasn't all that good. It's good for you to be great in. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it could have been because Sienna Miller was not doing anything in her scenes. Stephen James, I did think, was good, uh, yeah. the the criminal that we mentioned. Yes. Um, it, doesn't have so, a, it doesn't have a very good soundtrack either. No. Like I said, they're really relying on the city sounds quite heavily to get the, the mood going. And the momentum shooting does not equal action or tension. I think at no point was I really on the edge of my seat, even though I was entertained. I, think, I have pretty low bar for action films, though. Like, I, I will tolerate almost anything. I keep coming back to the fact that this would have been a good film in the 80s, I feel like, mm. with, with a, a pulse-pounding soundtrack and a real sense of time, <laughs> yeah. racing against time. Uh, although mm. although the, the, the actual time sort of thing, they have to get it all sorted out before 5 a.m. and rush hour. I feel no thing, pressure yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. You know, what's at stake here? Oh, the mayor's going to be miffed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it was a bit of a wasted premise. Um, oh well, yeah. You know. Oh well. Yes, there are prob- <laughs> there are definitely other better Chadwick Boseman vehicles out there than this one. Yes. Uh, all right, so that's about it for zero G today. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. So what did we want to play today to go out with? Mm. Well, a Bowie our track. Bowie. Bowie track. And I'm thinking the. Cat People putting out Fire Song from the 1982 film Cat People, which is kind of a, a sort of a reboot uh, reflection upon an earlier classic movie also called Cat People. And this has got the involvement of Giorgio Moroder in it and it came out in uh, 1981 alongside the the movie. I, I very much remember the pairing of the movie in this um particular one especially the music video so you might want to check that out on on youtube too well that's it for zero g for today and thank you megan thank you rob thank you as always to our partners gail and carl and also to our podcaster kayla larson who is doing such a sterling job of making us sound better than we are (laughs) <laughs> Thank you, Kayla. And also, of course, all of the subscribers, and there's still time if you would like to subscribe and so on uh, to the station. We appreciate everything. So. Yeah, because it's still Radiothon. Yes. Yes. Uh, and that's something that you should cherish, the fact that you can still be part of the greatest little radio station on <laughs> earth and beyond. And believe me, I know what I'm talking about when I say that. <laughs> Joe Brunatic coming up next with Astral Glamour. G'day, this is Rob Jan. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Zero G. 
a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website.